Welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. I'm Paul Clifford, and I am the president and CEO of the East Carolina Alumni Association and the host of this podcast. I try to produce it monthly. This is the first one of the new year. I took a little bit of time off from the podcast during the holidays, but we are back in full swing, and we have a great guest uh, for you today. Jen Heisey, who is the Director of Alumni Relations at Buffalo State College, joins us once again now in in her new role at a new institution. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me and asking me to do this today. Oh, well, we're, we're excited to have you. i got a, a couple questions lined up here, but okay. before we get to that, why don't you let folks know a little bit about yourself? You've, you've essentially built a career in alumni relations from Ohio U to Cincinnati to now Buff State. Um, tell folks a little bit about the road you've taken to get to where you are. Sure. Actually, I, um, I kind of got my first exposure to the world of alumni relations and institutional advancement through a student organization I was involved with. And as many of our colleagues know, you know, a lot of campuses have student advancement programs, and I, in particular, was involved as an undergraduate at the University of Cincinnati with the Student Alumni Council. And that's sort of how I really got some exposure to what this profession was all about and got excited about it. Initially, my plan was to be in higher education, but to be more on the student affairs side. And I, as I started to go through my, my master's program at Wright State University, and I was looking at different opportunities I proposed to the Alumni Association there that I could work for them as a GA and start a student advancement program because I thought it was something lacking in their program and it was a value I'd had a lot of experience and I could bring to the table. And and kind of, you know, long story short, it worked out and I, I got my foot in the door in, an, in another alumni program at Wright State it, while I was a graduate student. And from there, I just really decided that that was a niche I loved. I loved the fact that I could be in still involved with current students. I could still be on the college campus, but at the same time, I was sort of bridging this gap between a, the professional world as well. So you were in the you were in the right place at the right time? That's right, at the right state. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, my first job after college was at Ohio University, and I went there working primarily in student advancement programs. I advised the student alumni board, and both of the programs that get Cincinnati and at Ohio University are kind of longstanding 20-plus year programs, had a lot of tradition. So that was really really neat because it was they were such established and influential programs on the campus so it really exposed me to how important and valuable those types of programs can be. And I helped with chapters and and met, you know, two of my very, you know, best good friends and colleagues, Ralph Amos and Mike Worley in that position. And also our vice president at the time was Leonard Raley, who's now at Maryland. And you know, I just really felt like in fact I was reflecting on this the other day being at that place at that time really built a foundation for me to believe in and and really I don't know have a passion for this business. So yeah, I'm glad I, I did that. <laughs> absolutely, you know I totally agree. I, I feel the same way. I I really think, and and I haven't done any reading or, or study into this, but I really think that the person's first 
professional experience, whatever profession it is, really sets the tone for the rest of their career. You know, I had a similar experience when my first career at James Madison, I was in a similar position as you, working with the student ambassador group there. And, uh, you know, it was an established group, like you said, and very influential on campus. But but the people around me, and especially my boss, who really saw himself as a mentor, and I really looked to him as a mentor, um, really helped shape my my initial professional experience. I really think that that sets the tone for whether for the rest of your career. I agree and I just I feel like we all were trying to build something together and we were learning together and kind of growing up in a strange way together and so um you know we've all kept in touch and as we've moved throughout our careers and 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 to this day maintain that maintain that mentoring relationship and and we advise each other and we help each other and I don't think I I know in my heart I wouldn't be in this position today had I not had those experiences with those people absolutely I agree with you absolutely but you know Jen for for an eagle to fly (laughs) it must first be pushed from the nest and uh you made that decision to jump from the nest to go from Ohio U to to Cincinnati back home to your alma mater I did. I, you know, at the time, David Maseko was the director, and we had talked a few times. Um, it's interesting. It got the conversation got started because I went to an ASAP conference and met the student leadership from the current student alumni council, which, of course, I was an, an alumna of that organization. And they went back to David and said, "You know, we have an opening, and this is a person." And we went through a couple of of conversations and it ultimately worked out and if, I think at any point in time in this business if you have an opportunity to work for your alma mater it's it's sort of a you know kind of that really sweet spot because you love what you do and and, and who you're doing it for and to be able to do that for your own institution that you graduated from is pretty neat but I also kind of went back having some experiences at, at three other institutions and, and really kind of you know, having had spread my wings, I think it it allowed me to bring more to the table when I did come back to my own institution. So I was there for five years, originally as a, a program director, and then ultimately as the chief operations officer and um, director of alumni relations. And I was second in line to the executive director and, and really loved it. You know, I love Cincinnati. I, I learned so much there, um, got a stronger business background, strategic planning background, Um, and then this opportunity came up at Buffalo State to be a director, and that's where I am now, so I think that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. (laughs) That's awesome, and and how long have you been at Buff State now? I started in June, mid-June. Okay, so you're approaching... Not a full year yet. Right, you're about... what eight months into it now right that, and that, that's where i'd like to start actually you know you, you talked about how you you grew up in the profession and you're you're one of the growing number of people who are actually growing up in this profession as you know being around it so long um people come in and out of alumni relations uh through different pipelines you know some come from uh, ironically they come from coaching and then they, uh, you know, it's it's a retired coach who then becomes an alumni director or someone else on campus kind of gets uh, stowed away in the alumni office. But there's a growing number of those of us like you and I who see this as a profession and have grown up in this as a profession and have worked at several other institutions besides our alma mater um, that have really grown up in this in this line of work who see it as a profession. So um, 
So with that as a as a background, how did you approach going from your alma mater to a school like Buffalo State? Significant uh, a, a different I'm going to assume a different kind of institution. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the things that you thought of? Okay, I got the job. Now how do I approach it? Yeah, actually, you know, I'd even like to take one step back from there because when I was interviewing and looking for options, um, you know, I had a few things in mind, one of which is I really wanted to work in an organization and for someone that I felt like I could really learn from. And I think that goes back to my early days in the profession that everywhere I've been that we've really flourished and we've made great things happen It's because I've had the opportunity to have a great mentor and have a great boss. And um, so I, I wanted a situation where I felt like that was in place, where the institution and the vice president really value the purpose and mission of alumni relations and how it fits into the institutional advancement, you know, kind of greater purpose. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of an old school believer in the fundamental, you know, alumni relations programs are important. And we're here to support fundraising and we're, that is part of our mission, and it's all part of the greater good, but we're here to advance this institution, and there are a number of ways to do that, and there are not so many ways for our alumni to be involved with that. And so I wanted to make sure that I was in a position where our alumni, that population, that constituency, and the work that we do was really valued, and I felt that immediately in this interview. And the kind of the third piece of it, I met the staff that was in place, kind of newly in place, in this position um, that I would be managing, and I was sold as soon as I met them. I, I feel like if you have the right human resources and the right team, you can kind of accomplish anything. And it, and I just instantly knew that they were they were those kind of people. They had a great work ethic. They were excited. They were energetic, you know, creative. And so that motivated me to want to come on board and make something happen. And I really felt like because of those things. This was a place where I had the opportunity to succeed and make an impact, and that's what I wanted to be able to do. I wanted I want to be somewhere where I can make a difference. So, kind of a step back when I was even looking for opportunities, those were things that really stood out to me about this place. Um, and so, I guess kind of early on, I, I think I came in like I said, I started in mid June, which I think is an ideal time to start because it's right kind of before the new fiscal year starts and everything's kind of a clean slate and a new. I had the opportunity to sit in a, even before I started, to sit in in a retreat that our vice president put on that included all her direct reports in institutional advancement. So I got to hear an overview of what everybody was thinking, you know, what the leadership of the division was trying to accomplish, and it really helped me start to build a framework for how this piece of the organization could fit into all that. So I feel really fortunate. Kind of the timing was really good as well. Absolutely. And and I'm so glad that in your entire description of what you just talked about and how you talked about our profession, you didn't say the word friend raiser once. No. Which, which, was, which is... You know, as you know, a pet peeve of mine, and right. I, I think it's just uh, it's just passe right now um, that that's the the old way of alumni relations. But but really, how how you 
has shaped it as part of the advancement and as part of the the fundraising process is really how I look at it. I've I've described it recently as alumni. If you think of uh, of a funnel, alumni relations is the top of that funnel. We're the widest end that kind of brings everybody in and engages them and educates them and gets them involved. And so as they move through that funnel down towards where our friends in development and uh, major gifts. Um, would become more and more interested in them. They're all they're they're already in that funnel. It's not like you have to bring somebody from the outside in. Um, and so I'm, I I I commend you for for not well, saying that I, word. You know, I get the fun the friend raising concept and what people are trying to say with that. But I, I I think in terms of how hard we work at what we do and how meaningful we believe it is that we're engaging alumni, we're cultivating them, we're giving them meaningful interactions and building those meaningful relationships with the university. In some ways, I feel like that diminishes a little bit what we're trying to say. But then, you know, on the other, other hand, I had someone tell me the other day, but building a friendship is a really important thing. You know, think about your life and the people who mean the most to you, and those are your friends. So... I kind of get both sides of that, but I, I think what we're trying to do is professionalize our work. And Absolutely. sometimes when someone says, well, you're a friend raiser, it doesn't maybe give it it's due. Yeah, <laughs> that a, a, absolutely. That makes sense. You're listening to the Impact Alumni Podcast, and our guest today is Jen Heisey. She is the Director of Alumni Affairs at Buffalo State College in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, I- exactly, Jen. Uh, I, you know, I kind of, and maybe this is semantics, but but the way I like to think about it, instead of building friendships, it's building relationships mm-hmm. and, and business relationships. And boy, we can do a, a whole podcast on the difference between personal relationships and and business and uh, institutional relationships, but I, I don't want to go down that road necessarily today. So talk about um, the plan that you had in place, whether it was on paper or, or in your mind, for your first 90, 120, 365 days on the job. Sure. Well, I think two things right off the top kind of happened needed to happen simultaneously, and one is me under I had to understand the current reality of the place. You know, you're sitting in an interview and you're you're kind of you brush on the surface of everything, but you really don't know what the reality is until you're sitting in the chair. So that was one piece of it, and the second piece was really starting the team building portion in terms of all the players and you know my staff and my board and the other people in institutional advancement and on campus. So to start with, how do we look at the current reality? I mean, I really had to dig in and do an organizational assessment about what exists, um, who we are, what our mission is, you know, really kind of the fundamentals and what was currently happening. You know, I really wanted to try to understand our customer. You know, each, like you said, this campus is a little different than each of the other campuses I've, I've worked for. And there's a slightly different culture at each place. And so I, I needed to dig into that a little bit and understand who are our students and who are our alumni and what has their relationship with the institution been, what are their needs, what are their beliefs about it. So, you know, that was a really kind of key element of what I needed to understand the culture. And, of course, I had to do some staff assessment less because I, I knew I had a good staff, less about whether they're the right people, but are they doing the right thing? Right. You know, what are their strengths? What are they passionate about? Where can they add value and really start to assess that? Um, tried to, I put together 
I guess what we would call a statistical snapshot. And a lot of you have done it. In fact, Paul, you provided me with an example of yours a couple of years ago where you kind of have a scorecard. Right. And we wanted to make sure we kind of knew where we were today. So as we're making progress, we can show that on paper. Um, It's hard sometimes to assess engagement. (laughs) So we try to start thinking about, well, what can we measure? Right. And how do we do that? So that was important just to kind of get a current reality uh, a program inventory, what what are we doing and why, and then looking at some of our participation numbers and who the demographics of the people who are currently involved and where are their gaps. And, and, you know, we did kind of that traditional SWOT analysis. Right. Really understanding, trying to just get a, just a grip on what, what was in place. Um, and then the team building part of it, I really wanted to get to know my staff, Like I said, I wanted to get to know other people on campus, other people in the division and my my board. Uh, So really kind of building that loyalty and trust and commitment, understanding values, how people are aligned with the organization and how they've kind of personally felt about the organization. Absolutely. Boy, it's such a smart approach that you've taken. You know, everyone... You know, everyone says that we have to measure and we have to assess, and 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 I I don't think that anybody is is baffled by that anymore. But I think what the the piece that they often miss is what's the baseline? Yeah. Where, where where did where did you start? And so that you can show progress at the end of one year, as opposed to using the end of the first year as as your baseline because you didn't go ahead and and at least uh, assess where you were at the beginning. Uh, but no, I I commend you for. Uh, for starting there um, and, and knowing, you know, what, what's important to measure to, so that you can show your stakeholders um, where you're making progress. Yeah, and I didn't want to assume that the way I had done things at other institutions was the way it should be done here. You know, I wanted to kind of see what exists and see what people's reactions do and who who was currently participating in those things. And what we found is really we were probably falling below what I would consider, you know, high expectations for participation. So we know that things needed to be changed, but I didn't want to make that assumption until I knew that for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I think sometimes people coming into a new position uh, often come in with, uh, with two perspectives. One is that everything's broken and they've hired me to fix it. And, and two, um, nothing was good here until I got here. Yeah, or that the way I did it somewhere is the model for where it's, how it should be everywhere. Absolutely. You know, well, and I don't know that that's true. I mean, I think you need, we, what I want to do is take bit, bits and pieces from other institutions and those that I've been, you know, working for and trying to create a model here that works for this situation. Absolutely. Well, you know, with every new... With every new situation, there, there's certainly challenges, and certainly there's opportunities within challenges. Um, talk about some of the initial challenges that, that you faced that you either anticipated or didn't anticipate, um, whether it's from maybe volunteers. You know, you, you talked about the, the staff that was in place. Maybe it's ad- administrative, not, not necessarily um, administrators, but coming into a, a new system in, in New York, which I've worked in New York before. It's a uh, different, yeah. and, I, and I know it's a totally different world um, working for the state system there. But what were some of the challenges that you that you didn't anticipate, and, and how did you approach those? Sure. I guess a couple of the things I didn't, I didn't realize 
I, I would say the big piece of it is the, was just a lack of infrastructure all around. Um, a big thing, I mean, there was no operating budget. Right. <laughs> you know, just, and you think, well, you know, you come in and there's programs we have to put on immediately because we come in in June and, you know, one of my assistant director actually started just a month before I did and we have this huge reunion program in July. So, of course, the first thing we ask is, well, what's the budget? What did we do in the past? Well, we could see what they spent, but no one, you know, quote unquote, made a budget for this year. Yeah, I think sometimes sometimes people confuse a pool of money with a budget. Right. right. <laughs> it, was, it was like, well, we know expenses and revenues. That's right. <laughs> but we don't have a projected budget. So one of the first things I did was just sit down with our finance committee and the chair of that committee, and we tried to put together at least our best, you know, effort at, a, at an operating budget for the year, which, again, it was great because we were right at the beginning of the fiscal, so we could at least make an attempt for that. And now since seven months later, we've totally revised it because we have a better knowledge base, but at least we, we got something on paper and set some expectations for ourselves and we were able to set some priorities that way. Um, and and I think it gave people kind of a stability factor <laughs> that we didn't have before. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, something uh, that's always a concern, I think, to all of us, that there wasn't, there's not an extremely strong revenue stream into this organization, so we're fairly dependent on a couple of key partners, and um, not we don't really get much funding from the institution. So, you know, part of that is to think about how do we change that long term, because we're really in a vulnerable position. Um, so, you know, some of the, the the dollars and cents, I think all of us struggle with that a little bit, but there, there was a little less infrastructure on that here than I expected. Um, and something else I think that I guess, you know, you, you kind of joked around about working in New York and in the state system and what that means, and it is a little bit of a different culture here at Buffalo State. In, in New York, this, this institution was so highly funded over the years, and especially with our older, kind of more mature alumni, who I think a school typically looks to for financial support, I don't know that they can completely comprehend what the students have to do to attend school and what a financial burden that is on them and what it takes and why scholarships are so important because they basically had free tuition here. Right, right. And they didn't have to pay that. And, and even some of them will talk about, well, we... We worked three jobs to be able to go to school, and they were that was just their living expenses. They didn't have the same expenses to actually attend the institution. And so everything's really been taken care of, and there there's never been, like, maybe some private schools and other state schools that haven't been funded so fully in the past, and now it's a huge change. Um, there wasn't a kind of a culture of philanthropy and participation traditionally. Right. So it's something we really have to start uh, thinking about and trying to infuse in everything that we do and every message we send, and I didn't, I didn't expect that because I've never been in a situation where that was the case. You know, we always joked in most of the places I've been that we're really more state located than state funded, right, and we're right. kind of we're getting to that place here, but they weren't in that place before. Yeah, you know, out of, out of I've worked in Connecticut, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and now North Carolina's state systems as well as New York, mm-hmm. and and far and away, the the system that felt like a state system was in New York. I mean, everywhere from unionized employees right. to um, how how the students approached um, the academic endeavor there just really felt. Um, 
I don't know, state, in, institutional, if you will, um, that it was just a, uh, that there's a culture there that may have to be overcome more than any other place that I've had, that I had in my experience. Yeah, and I think that alumni culture, you know, I think it will rapidly change with the student culture because the reality is rapidly changing. And we have, you know, Chancellor Zimfer is working on, you know, really trying to work with the governor and figuring this all out, but, and it's interesting because she was my president at Cincinnati. Right. So that's kind right. of a, a neat switch. But, I, you know, I think it's going to rapidly change with the student population. So as new students come out, they're going to have a different perspective. But trying to go back and rein in these alumni that don't have that perspective, you know, that's a challenge I really didn't, I didn't comprehend. I didn't really expect. So kind of learning, like you said, learning the intricacies of the state and the culture of the institution you know, some of that is a little bit of a learning curve, but it comes fairly quickly. Absolutely. And, and the good thing about that is um, how state institutions have grown. I mean, the the alumni who, and I don't want to say this in a in a flip kind of way, but the alumni who are sort of get it mm-hmm. are, are the younger alumni, and there's exponentially more of them because of class size and graduation right. size. Um, and so, you know, I, I agree with you that that culture is going to change a lot quicker than it may have, you know, 10 years ago. Right. Let, let, me, uh, let, let me, as we wrap up the podcast here, ask you to set your, set your eyes on the horizon for three years from now and, uh, you know, pie in the sky. What is a, what's a, a realistic point that you think you'll have your, your shop in? What are, what are some of your, you know, three-year goals of... Boy, if I if our alumni affairs office at Buffalo State is doing this, this, and this, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be happy with where we are. Well, I think a few things. I really want to diversify the participation with the organization. We have a lot of kind of long time, old time relationships. So we have people who've been involved for years and years and years, and this is quite often, I would say. Um, 40 year out and beyond, <laughs> that's been kind of the primary constituency base involved with this organization. And we did one event, I'm just going to do a little sidebar, we did one event last week and we included other, we asked other institutions in the area to participate in this with us, but we did a young professionals networking happy hour at a cool place downtown and we put it out there and invited people to attend and we had almost 200 people show up. Wow. And I think it's, you know, that just speaks volumes to me that we just aren't, we haven't been offering valuable and relevant programs and services for the broader population. And so if I could look forward, I would say that we would be in a position to be offering, you know, not only events, because while I think events like that are important, but how is it value-added programs and services that really allow our alumni to make those connections with each other so that they can utilize effectively the power of their Buffalo State network. And that would be something that if I could see more people having, that we're the catalyst, that we serve as the catalyst for the alumni to enhance their personal and professional lives that way, you know, that would be amazing. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, expanding your circle of friends. But boy, how how great! It, I mean, they would have not been able to connect with alumni from other institutions, right? Had you not pulled that event together in partnership with those schools, it it just uh, it just shows another way. You know, primarily we want to connect our alumni to other alumni, but on the the tertiary or on the periphery there, it's the um, it's us being, like you said, a conduit of connection to other folks that may help them advance. Because at the end of the day, all these people want to do is, is connect with other people that they may be able to network professionally or socially um, to help them. And, and regardless of whether it's another Buff State alum or not, you help them make that connection. That's what we're hoping, and we really tried to listen. You know, we looked at – we haven't done a new one since I've been here. I'm hoping to do that. Of course, budget's an issue, but – we looked at an older attitudinal study and we looked at barriers to participation and you know it's well I don't know anybody and and I and I'm you know I don't know if I should just show up and and maybe you know our 25 people who came or 30 people who came wouldn't have been enough you know we just we're trying to listen to what our alumni are telling us they need and want and that we're not offering the right things and we wanted to we want to remove some of those barriers so if if I can bring my friend that went to Canisius and UB and we work together and we can all come and and I don't have to worry about showing up to something by myself. I mean, that removed a barrier and it clearly worked. So I think listening to what your alumni tell you, you know, helps you provide successful service. It's cutting edge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, exactly. Um, and really, I think another big thing that, and, and you and I both have our roots a little bit in student programming, but I really want to work harder on creating an alumni culture on our campus. We're working closely with the annual fund, and they're working on a student fundraising committee, and we want to make sure that we're providing programs and exposure and excitement about your relationship doesn't end with your diploma, but there's so many great ways for you to remain involved and cultivating future leadership, and there's really been none of that happening on this campus. Absolutely. I know you and I both embrace the concept that uh, the further you blur the line between students and alumni, the more they start thinking of themselves in terms of a lifelong relationship with the institution as opposed to a four or five or unfortunately sometimes six years <laughs> relationship with with our institutions but boy those those partnerships and connections with student affairs and with the admissions office and career services are are key to that especially in a small shop um getting them to buy into the concept of lifelong relationship uh i think is uh is an important first step absolutely and i think it's essential you know if we can be part of the student experience it's a lot easier to ask them to be a part of the alumni experience. And without that continuity, it, it gets a lot harder to ask them to do that once they're out of here. And then, I, you know, really, I mean, from a, kind of just a fundamental organizational standpoint, just getting some of the infrastructure built so that our volunteers, because we, I mean, we only, I have a small staff. I have, there's three of us that are full-time and one part-time, and I somehow figured out how to hire a part-time intern to save our lives. <laughs> but, um, you know, we want to make sure that we've got the systems in place and the resources necessary so that we can have a strong volunteer base who can kind of know what their expectations are, get in and, and help us get things done. And if they're willing to invest their time with us, that we give them the structure to do that. We don't currently 
have that. And, and I would hope that three years from now we would see a really robust volunteer base because in, this is their alumni association. I mean, we should be the good stewards, but our alumni should really be the ones driving the activity. And so I would love to see all of that put in place so that we can have a really strong volunteer base. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jen, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to to join us today on the Impact Alumni Podcast. It was my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. We've been talking with Jen Heisey, the Director of Alumni Affairs at Buffalo State College, and you're listening to the Impact Alumni Podcast. Well, send us feedback and connect to the show. Visit our website at alumnipodcast.com for other episodes of the show and send us an email on topics that you'd like to hear about on future shows. You can email me at paul.clifford at alumnipodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on the iTunes Music Store or just visit alumnipodcast.com podcast.com to subscribe and as always become a fan or become a friend of us on facebook twitter and linkedin get involved in the conversation on one of these social media sites thanks for joining us today and until next time so long